Aloha, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Welcome to The Body Show. Each week we talk about health and fitness, but none of what we discuss replaces a visit to your own primary care provider. Coronavirus has made a lot of us put off essential care just because of the fear of wanting to stay home, avoid medical centers, maybe not get unnecessary exposures. But it's time for people to consider what sort of medical problems they really want to have checked out and what are some conditions that they really can't wait about and what or what are some things they might be able to delay a little bit longer. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Andy Izuka. He is a member of Hawaii Pacific Health's medical group, and he currently works at Ward Village Clinic and Urgent Care as part of Straub Medical Center. He's been there for the last about eight years or so, and he's one of my great colleagues. Thank you for joining me on air tonight. Hey, thank you, Kathy. Nice to be here. Now, we've been hearing a lot about things that we should be careful with. You know, you turn on the news and they're talking about social distancing, wearing masks, and all of these sorts of things that are trying to help prevent people from getting sick. But one of the things that has happened is that particularly since everyone was told to stay home early in March, then, you know, it's been several months now and some folks are still a little reluctant to go get their health care checked out. Should that be the case? Is it time for people to come start seeing their doctor again, and for what sort of things do they really need to be checked out now? Yeah, you know, I think I think you're correct. A lot of my patients, they're, uh, they say, oh, is it safe? I, I'm, I'm scared to come still. Uh, but, you know, we went into lockdown because, number one, we weren't sure what this virus really was, and the other thing was we didn't have enough masks for everybody. But now we have, uh, we have masks. We know more about the virus. Uh, now is, uh, the time now is to... Look at uh, look at your life and get back into the doctor, especially for if you have diabetes, high blood pressure, cholesterol that hasn't been followed up. Um, those are bread and butter for us, but uh, they can be silent. We call them silent killers because most people don't have symptoms. Probably is a good time to go back to the doctor and get get checked again. Well, and some of those chronic illnesses are some of the very things that put people at a greater risk if they were to get infected of having complications. We know that people who have high blood pressure are at a slightly higher risk based on the statistical analysis they've done out of some of the other countries, China and Italy, and even some of the stuff they came up with from our own you know, New York City area. So when we're looking at some of those medical conditions, Let's talk a little bit about blood pressure, for example. If you have high blood pressure, should you is, is this a good time to start investing in something like a home blood pressure monitor? You know, you see those cuffs at Long's or even at food stores, Safeway, et cetera, and, you know, you wonder, should I get one of those and start monitoring at home? I kind of think it's a good idea, particularly if your blood pressure tends to go up a little bit and you, you know, you have to take more than two or three medications. Is that one way that you could start even doing some home monitoring and then talk with your doctor about what should I do with my medicines or what other sorts of changes might I need to make? Absolutely, yeah. Even before COVID, uh, I really liked it when patients had took their home blood pressure because there is something called white coat hypertension and that's one way to tell if they have true hypertension or not is having them check their home blood pressure. Now, yeah, they do have the wrist blood pressure monitor, the regular arm blood pressure monitors. It's kind of like a mask. Something is better than nothing. Uh, I feel like blood pressure on the wrist, 
Uh, some would say it's not as accurate. It's still a blood pressure reading that I can go by. I think the way they measure it is probably more important than where they measure it. Um, so I, I find it very helpful, and I think it is a great time to uh, go out and uh, make that purchase. Well, and bring it in. So I often yeah. tell patients, oh, oh, you bought a home blood pressure monitor. That's great. Do you have it? And they go, no. And I'm like, well, if you bring it in, we can check to see, are you using it correctly? Do we need to help you? Is there something that it's, you know, is reading a little inaccurate? Is your arm in the right position? So sometimes we can even help people troubleshoot so they can get the most accurate measurements of their pressure and then use that to help us to manage their blood pressure better than we could otherwise. That's right. That's right. And uh, quite often uh, it, it actually correlates with uh, our machine unless it's completely uh, out of calibration, but usually it correlates pretty well. Yeah, the newer machines are really good. Yeah. I've seen the ones that plug into the wall. You don't have to worry about changing batteries. But I've got to tell you, in my in my office, I've seen some ones that remind me of rotary phones. <laughs> I mean, they must have been some of the early devices. And I'm like, wow, I don't even know how to help you with that. But maybe it's time to upgrade. So at least blood pressure is something that potentially if you felt comfortable, if you were checking it a lot, if you had a way to manage that, you could talk with your doctor. You could do some of the new telemedicine things we'll talk about in a little bit about ways to communicate with your provider. And it's something you could measure and essentially help do some self-management at home. There's some other conditions that are not as easy to do that with. You know, often, particularly during the pandemic when everyone was told to stay home, you know, I would joke with some of my patients and I'd be like, you know, I think wearing a mask indoors might be a good idea. And they were like, why? And I'm like, well, your cholesterol almost doubled. I mean, what is going on? So I think the other thing that I've seen happen is sometimes just being at home and being sedentary and not having the ability to go to a gym because most of them were closed for a while or or do other sorts of activity sometimes led to things like cholesterol and diabetes getting worse. Now, with cholesterol, you kind of have to go do a blood test. You can't really just guess on that one. That's right, yeah. Uh, I've seen both sides of the picture here, um, but I would say probably 80% of the people uh, actually went up on their blood pressure and cholesterol numbers. Uh, they weren't as active. On the other hand, I had some people who were, when they were in lockdown, they had more time so they actually uh, went out and exercised and walked around the block uh, quite faithfully. For So for those, and they quit going out to eat. So for some, it has gone down. It was a good thing. But, yeah, for 80, about 80% of the folks um, became couch potatoes, and that was not such a good thing. Well, you know, it's it's one of those things. I think there's always going to be folks that get motivated. They find new ways to do activity. And I always admire the folks who say, hey, look, I'm going to get out there. I'm going to walk consistently every day. And the other thing you brought up, really important, people weren't eating out as much. Restaurants were closed except for takeout. So now that we're seeing them open up a little bit, people who tend to eat out, we really got to keep an eye on that cholesterol, make sure it doesn't go too high because there are adverse consequences to high cholesterol. And I think, you know, it doesn't, uh, it's, it's not that unheard of that people are aware that high cholesterol can lead to blockages and those can lead to heart attacks and strokes and a variety of other things. So keeping your cholesterol down is, is always a good idea. What can people with diabetes do? You know, we have this 
three-month measure called a hemoglobin A1C. And for those folks who haven't checked it out since earlier in the year, this is the perfect time. This is going to give you data from April, May, and June, and even part of July. What sort of diabetes things can folks do? Checking your sugars at home, is that is that something that a lot of your patients are able to do? And Yeah, it is. Uh, so there's, there's uh, the way you can stick your finger and check your blood sugar, or there's these newer devices that's been out for a few years, a uh, patch that you, it's a continuous monitor where you can take your phone, smartphone, or a monitor uh, device, and it gives you the instantaneous reading. Those have found to be very helpful. Um, they can check their blood sugars, and if it's in the 200s, well, it's, uh, it's too high. But if they're running around 100, then that's good. But, you know, that only gives you a snapshot most of the time, right? Uh, we want to know what the overall average is. And that's what the A1C gives over the last three months. Um, so if you haven't had an A1C for the past three months, it's, it would be a good idea, especially if it's been running high, to go, go, go visit the doctor and get it checked out. Well, and I think one of those things that really works well is that if you do have a high number, recognize there is something you can do about it. You yeah. know, if you, if you get a sugar of 200, you can be like, you know what? I'm going to go on that walk today. I'm going to make sure I add an extra 10 minutes. And surprisingly, if you check your sugar before your walk and you check it about 30 minutes after, it does go down quite a bit. And that reduced sugar value can last, that increase in your metabolism can last for a little while. So it really does help people even just in the beginning when they're first diagnosed to get that immediate feedback. What does my walking two miles do for my sugar? What does my, you know, eating this bowl of rice do to my sugar? It gives them some of that instantaneous information that can really help them to make different choices. I agree. You know, I really wish uh, insurance would cover for this monitor, uh, the continuous monitor, because I think it makes a huge difference not having to poke your finger every single time to uh, check your blood sugar. I've had I've had patients who, I think it's around two three hundred dollars for the the first month, and when you think about it as a health device, uh, it's not it's not that expensive, but for a lot of people, I guess it is it is a lot of money, but. Um, if it's going to impact your life in a huge way, I think it is worth the investment. And uh, just not having to poke your finger every single time, but be able to check it 20 times a day if you want to. I wish insurance would cover for it. Well, you know, that's certainly something that as time goes on, maybe we'll see that as, as more of a commonly used device. When the regular standard test strips and the way that you use the Lancis first came out, that was something that was brand new and it was an unusual device. And then it became so much more ubiquitously used amongst patients with diabetes that the cost went down, a lot of different new machines. So I suspect the same thing will happen with some of those continuous glucose monitors. And I agree, it could really be a game changer for a lot of folks. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and when we come right back, we're going to talk more with Dr. Andy Izuka of Straub Medical Center in the Ward Village Clinic in Urgent Care about some of the common things that he's been seeing in the office and what sort of conditions should you really not wait for and what are some of the things you might be able to put off for a little while. We'll be right back after this quick break. Stay with us. Support for The Body Show comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors, locations, and Honolulu Waldorf School. 
Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and I have Dr. Andy Izuka on the line. He is one of my colleagues at Straub Medical Center. He's also a member of Hawaii Pacific Health, One Medical Group, and he's working down in a brand new clinic, Ward Village Clinic, and urgent care. Beautiful space you have down there, Dr. Andy. It looks gorgeous. I know. It is very nice here. <laughs> well, and you've got all these great places to go, walk around during lunchtime, get some healthy food. You, you've got it you, You've got it going on, I'll tell you. Now, yep. right before the break, we were just talking a little bit about, uh, about conditions that are chronic medical concerns that you should get checked out, particularly around this time. What are some of the other common things that people are coming to the office for that, you know, they, they just can't, you can't do this at home through any kind of picture or or email or electronic visit or phone call. What are some things that are essential for somebody to come in for? You know, the the number one killer has been the same for decades, and I think it's uh, heart issues. And uh, it's easy to brush it off. It's easy to say, oh, that's just a little heartburn. Oh, I'm just feeling a little fatigued. Oh, it's shortness of breath. If in doubt, Come in, come get evaluated, make sure it's not cardiac. I think that's not that's something that you don't want to sit on. Uh, but, uh, um, and sometimes we'll be surprised. We'll do an EKG or um, blood test and say, oh, this is something you better go to the emergency. Yeah, I know that emergency rooms across the nation have been saying, what happened to all the heart attack patients? Like, are they all staying home? Because for a while, in different regions of the country, they were having a decreased number of people coming to ERs. And there's a question, you know, where are all these people going? Is it because maybe they're home and they're less stressed? Or are they staying home when they have symptoms? And could we find out later? So it sounds like, you know, don't judge yourself at home. When in doubt, go get it checked out. It's kind of an important thing to do. Yeah, I agree. And then uh, I think in a few months or maybe who knows how long, uh, but we'll have the answers to that. It was very interesting for a month or two. Yeah, ER was down. Uh, We just weren't seeing the heart attack cases or even stroke cases. And we're happy. We want people to stay healthy. We just hope they're not staying home, afraid to get checked out. That's sort of the idea. Now, if somebody has a problem with you know, something they've had forever, like back pain that acts up or different types of joint problems that they've been treated for before. Are these the types of things that you could potentially see somebody in a different telemedicine evaluation for? Are you using a lot more of that now since there's a pandemic about than you ever did before? Absolutely. So, you know, number one, we want the clinic to be a safe place for patients to come. And in order to do that, we have to limit the number of patients that come through the door. So that's where we came up with the uh, telehealth option. So right now we're seeing about 50% of our patients by telehealth. And like you mentioned, the chronic conditions that patients have had for several months to years, those are things we can talk about over, over the telephone or video and even do an exam uh, over the video. You know, I often find that I've been looking at some of the notes from some of my patients who have gone to see some of the orthopedic doctors and sports med docs, and there is an amazing amount of information that they've been able to get from doing video visits, you know, and watching somebody walk down their hall or doing things that, how far can you move your knee? And I mean, there's... it. 
it's always surprising to me because I would have thought certain things you have to go in to see your provider. And yet I'm amazed at the increasing number of things that sometimes really can be evaluated through that video portal or through some other mechanism. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, I agree. And it's a it's a learning process for both the patient and the doctor. This is a yeah, the video is not a new thing. We do FaceTime all the time, but seeing patients through this portal is a new thing. And we're learning how to ask questions, how to do video exams, and I think we're going to get better and better at it. Well, I hope to improve because I've I've had some troubles. And I think it's just my own technological inabilities. So I'm actually going to have somebody come to my office and show me how to troubleshoot because I've been blaming the patients and I think the problem has been me. So I'm going to work on this whole, how do I use all the equipment and get it all done correctly? Because, uh, you know, it's it's something new because we weren't previously doing a lot of the video visits, mainly because reimbursement wasn't there. You know, everybody was coming to the office. And as you astutely mentioned earlier, we need to limit how many people come to the office so we don't create a crowd. And then also we have to make sure that People who come get in exam rooms as soon as they can so that if they do have a medical condition that is not coronavirus but could be contagious, whether it be, you know, they might have some other type of flu or some other kind of illness, we don't want other people to be exposed. You know, I think very often doctors' waiting rooms were were filled with people who were sick and people who weren't all kind of melding together. And although we probably got away with that for a while, it's now become almost... Uh, something unheard of. You don't want to see that happen because of the potential that people could spread things to one another. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. And I, I'm in general an optimist. And, uh, you know, the one good thing that's come out of this, actually several good things have come out of it. And uh, one win-win has been the waiting time. Uh, I don't think patients wait for their doctors uh, like they used to. It used to. Patients used to wait an hour in the waiting room uh, doing nothing, but now they can, if they wait, they're waiting at their home, being productive, and then when the doctor comes on the video, they can jump on the video, and people who come in to the clinic, they're seen on time and go straight to the uh, exam room, so I think that part has been a, a winner for a lot of people. It's almost like if I'm going to be late, you might as well do something in your house and be productive. You know, let's let's make this work for everybody. I I agree entirely. So that's that's been a win-win. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and on the line with me is Dr. Andy Izuka, and he is one of our family medicine doctors at Straub Medical Center in the Ward Village Clinic location. When we come back, we're going to talk about what could you put off, because there are certain things you might be able to hold off on, and they might be things that you could get checked out maybe before the end of the year. So we'll be right back after this quick break. Stay with us. Support for The Body Show comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, whose contributors help Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to the St. Andrews Schools, which includes the Priory School for Girls, the Prep for Boys, and Queen Emma Preschool. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak talking with Dr. Andy Izuka. He is a family medicine doc at Straub Medical Center at the Ward Village Clinic and Urgent Care location. Now, right before the break, we were talking about, you know, what are some of the things that have been positive from this pandemic? And you mentioned that less waiting time in doctor's offices through video visit, through telemedicine. Maybe you don't have to be waiting in a waiting room for a long time. I think one of the other 
positives that has come from this is that, you know, we're really seeing that patients who do use some of these telemedicine portals, we're getting a whole different view about what's kind of going on if we if we have a chance to see their location at home. I've had a couple of video visits where I've said, you know, it looks like maybe you need to move where that chair is. It might be too close to the other place you were sitting or, you know, I'm seeing that that's an obstacle for you. Kind of like a way that you could get a window into someone's world and even see that there might be some things they need to change to avoid slipping and falling if they're older or just to have that different dynamic with them. Yeah, I agree. It's kind of like doing a home visit, huh? It's the new version of the home visit. It's like the 21st century home visit. Now we've finally gone back to the old times of Marcus Welby, but instead of us going, we bring cameras. Now, (laughs) you know, there are some things people could put off, and I I often think I don't want to suggest that nobody go in, but, but if somebody has, for example, if they come in once a year for their annual physical and they're feeling good and they don't have any major medical conditions, should they should they wait a little while if they're concerned about coming to the office or if they have some if everything feels great and they just they live with older grandparents and they don't want to expose anybody could they put a visit like that off a month or two yeah absolutely so i think a perfect example of that is an obgyn might disagree is a pap smear uh cervical cancer screening um some of those can easily wait a month or two um, if they were supposed to get a mammogram, you don't want to push it to a whole year, but I think those are things that you want to limit your exposure and you could put off until the numbers go down. Well, and the other thing I kind of put in there is screening colonoscopy. If you were told to come back in 10 years and you come back in 10 and a half years, it's probably going to be okay. Yep, I agree. Unless you're having discoloration in the stool and you're having symptomatic uh, GI symptoms, then you might want to come in and see a doctor. But if it's for general screening, absolutely, yeah, having that six six months delay should not be a problem. Now, we are going to start to have flu shots coming around maybe in the next month or two. And that's one of the things that I found curious. Because people are wearing masks, I'm seeing a lot fewer people get respiratory infections. It tends to decrease over the summer anyway, but I'm not seeing as many people come in with influenza. However, when the flu shot comes, people should go get their shot, whether at their doctor's office or at a pharmacy. Sometimes even the food stores offer them, you know, Safeway will give you flu shots. But that's something I I really think people should not put off. They should make sure they get checked out and get their shot. Yeah, you know, and that brings up a good point. I think shingles is another good one for the elderly. Um, I've seen a few shingles cases during this COVID time, and that is not a fun thing to go through uh, for anybody. So I think uh, making sure uh, people are up to date on their preventative uh, uh, shots is a good thing to is not a good thing to put off, but get get those done. Although, like, if it was a tetanus shot that might be, hey, get one every 10 years. Again, you could probably hedge a little bit on that if you're not in a high-risk situation where you're getting exposed to metal on a regular basis. But you're right. The stress can bring out shingles. And people often say, is shingles contagious? No, it's usually people who have had that chickenpox virus in their body from before, and something brings it out, whether it be getting older or being under a lot of stress or, you know, certain types of medical conditions. But you're right. I've seen a couple of cases of shingles as well. And I think a lot of it has to do with the stress of all the uncertainty going on. 
Yep, and I agree. We and, don't know uh, what, what the life is going to look like. Yeah, right. right. Now, for those folks who want to come in and be seen, maybe they haven't seen a doctor in a few years and they're having some concerns, they should not wait. They shouldn't, they should not just put off all their health care. They probably need to get checked out. If it's urgent and they have something pretty serious and urgent that they want to get checked out like today, tomorrow, that's where sometimes urgent care clinics can work out. Now, you have one where your practice is. Has that been a place where if folks really need something today, they can go, and then if they need a doctor, they can follow up and see one of the doctors in the practice in the same place? Yes, uh, it's been great. Uh, sometimes we have two doctors uh, staffing urgent care, and I think we have urgent care virtual clinic too. So uh, those have been very nice. The other thing I would add is if uh, this is a great time to come into established care if you don't have a primary care because it's more important than ever to have a primary care doctor. What if you have COVID symptoms? Uh, if you have a primary care doc, you can send them a message and then we can put in the orders to go to the drive-through clinic. But if you don't have a primary care doctor, you kind of you're kind of stuck. And that's another good thing to mention is that Although in the past, you've always had to physically come in, now you can actually, Medicare has allowed this for their group over 65, that if you want to, you can actually establish over video with your doctor. So if you if you don't have one, there are some ways that you could even do a telemedicine visit for your first visit. And I've had quite a few patients do that and then want to stay home because they're at high risk based on age or other medical conditions. But either because their doctor left or they realize they need one, they've had this unique opportunity to set up with a doctor. So when it is something where they feel more comfortable coming in, they don't have to feel like they don't have anyone for the next six or nine months. It's really been an ideal arrangement. Yes, I agree. Uh, I've had several uh, established care with me through telehealth. I will say it's not the ideal. I, you know, you, you probably agree. It's always the idea is you always see somebody face-to-face. I really miss seeing my patients face-to-face. But for the time being, um, it is a good, it is an okay alternative. Well, and like you mentioned earlier, the whole new concept of a home visit, I wonder if it isn't going to change how we manage some of our patients in some of the assisted living facilities where they can get out, but often it's difficult for them to do that. And in the past, unless you were in a nursing home, you know, you would have the doctor come to you in the nursing home. But in some of the independent or assisted living facilities, you'd still have to come to see the doctor. And I kind of look forward to the day when, you know, I'm just an iPad and I can see a whole bunch of people room to room with the nursing staff and really find a way to do regular checkups on these folks without having them have to leave to come to a facility while the pandemic is happening. Certainly when that's over, it would be easier to make different arrangements. But I think that really could telemedicine could really take off from this point yeah i agree and i think uh, some of the hospital services are doing that so yeah the it's been interesting the whole trajectory of what we do in primary care the essence of the medical conditions are the same but the mechanism by which we're providing the care we've all had to get creative and think differently and try and find new ways to to work with our patients to help them to get the type of care they need in ways that we probably never thought we would have even just a year ago. Yeah, I agree. And in 10 years, maybe we'll be doing virtual, virtual, uh, virtual medicine. 
You know, it always makes me wonder. There's a lot of new technology out there, and they're doing a lot of different things virtually. You know, a lot of people have smartwatches that are tell you your pulse or your heart rate. And in the very beginning, people wondered how accurate were they. But studies have shown that in some cases, they can really, they can tell people who have no other symptoms that they have a problem and encourage them to get it checked out. Yeah, I had one patient uh, where the Apple Watch read AFib. He came in, and sure enough, he was in AFib. And the watch told him to go get checked out, which, amazing, could be something that if he gets treated with his fibrillation, whether it be getting his heart back in a regular rhythm or even getting on a blood thinner, this could be avoiding strokes and life-saving for him. Absolutely. Well, I really want to thank you for taking your time today from a very long day in the clinic, I know, to be on The Body Show with us and share your expertise. We'll have to do it again in person next time. Thank you. All right, that was Dr. Andy Izuka, one of the Hawaii Pacific Health Physicians at the Straub Medical Center at the Ward Village Clinic in Urgent Care. If you'd like to hear this show again, you can click on hawaiipublicradio.org, follow the links to The Body Show. You can also find us on the HPR app. Our engineer is David Chong. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. We'll see you next week when we talk about what is it like to take care of coronavirus patients in the hospital. We'll get a firsthand account right here on The Body Show. We'll see you then.